Hello, Miss Bit. Hey, Miss Fitz. Welcome to Morning Meeting. We're recording for Thursday, April 2nd. I hope you all survived your April Fool's Day. I did see some pretty good, kind April Fool's jokes on my social media feeds today. Miss Canova, who teaches PE at STAB, froze her son's cereal. So he came down to get his cereal and the spoon was stuck to the bowl and he couldn't get the cereal to go down. And he was like, what's going on? I watched the video like three times. Oh, that's so good. I have to really look good. That. Good job, Miss Canova. Alrighty. <laughs> so we have a special guest, but before we get to that, okay. um, let's get our riddle and our joke. So the riddle was, which is heavier, a ton of bricks or a ton of feathers? And the first thing I thought is that they're the same, right? It's funny. The first thing I thought of was obviously bricks. But, <laughs> but no, you're right. They are the same. And Cullen solved this one. He was yeah, not I saw that. thrown by it. So obviously, if it's a ton of bricks and a ton of feathers, they both weigh a ton. There's just fewer bricks than there are feathers. But this one really got me at the beginning. So you, you must have a mathier, sciencier brain than I do. <laughs> All right. Our joke for the day. Why are fish so smart. I don't know why are fish so smart. Fish are so smart because they grow up in schools. God. <laughs> Do you think fish are homeschooled right now? Uh, certainly. <laughs> Today and every day. <laughs> Today and every day. We could learn something from them. <laughs> All right. Well, I wanted to just dive right in with our special guest who is Dr. Jeff Saucerman. He's Associate Professor of Biomedical Engineering at University of Virginia. And I have brought biomed tech girls and middle school tech girls to his labs to get behind the scenes. And it's really always uh, an amazing experience. And recently he tweeted out the scratch project he did uh, called Go Viral. And I wanted him to share a little bit about what that's all about. Uh, sure. So at uh, University of Virginia, I teach college students how to use computer programming to learn about how our bodies work and how to treat diseases. And so one of the things that I love about Scratch is it shows us uh, in a very accessible way how to build things with computers that, that could be related to art or video games, but also can really help us understand science concepts like biology. And so as uh, you know, the, that the epidemic ha has proceeded and, and um, it's been really difficult to understand, I felt like, like in other areas of biology, it can really help to uh, use Scratch as a tool to, to, to build things and test ideas and help us understand how diseases spread in populations. Yeah, it's pretty amazing that Scratch can let you do things at this level. Like it really shows that Scratch is definitely a low floor, high ceiling coding platform, which is pretty amazing. I'm closer to the low floor, but I love, <laughs> I love seeing the ways that people use it for the high ceiling. <laughs> Well, I teach like like Python and MATLAB languages at, at UVA. When I want to build something really fast like this, it's fastest for me to build it in Scratch. So this is called an infectious disease simulator. And what does it do? So basically, it lets you simulate how an infection or infectious disease would spread throughout a population. So we have different people within a certain space. And a, a, a few people will start with the disease. And then as they move around, if they come in contact, with one another, then they might pick up that disease uh, from their neighbors. Um, and that shows how it might spread. And then after a certain amount of time, these people are able to recover. And so we see overall, as you may have been seeing the news, that the, a big rise initially in the number of people that have this disease, 
uh, but then how it'll eventually decline. When, when I first saw this tweet, I think I told you that I, I didn't want to go look at it. Like I just wasn't ready for <laughs> seeing a simulation of what was playing out in real life. But I have since gone and looked at it. And it is really helpful to kind of see, yeah, that curve does go up, but it is eventually also coming down. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Personally, as an engineer, I, I, yeah, I was finding this difficult to process as well. And for me, kind of turning it into like a problem solving and learning situation was really helpful to think about as, okay, we can, we can learn about how this is and we can test out ideas of what is ultimately going to help us uh, mitigate this disease. It is so cool that we can use tech to do that from while we're you know, keeping people safe by staying home. And so we're flattening the curve while learning about the curve <laughs> and mm -hmm. understanding why flattening the curve helps. Like the fact that I'm watching this, the healthcare capacity scratch simulator happening right now. And the fact that I can be sitting in my living room having not left my house for how long and still learning and still seeing. And this for me is really empowering because I'm watching it and I'm like, this is what I'm a part of. Like me being here is part of what I'm seeing and I'm making more, happy yellow people like that's go me yeah, okay. it's, it feels good <laughs> I, I find that this is can, can be really helpful when you have lots of questions about why things are happening or why things are working the computer models or, or the the scratch version of them may not have the correct answers or may not even necessarily have very accurate answers but can help you dig in and understand the, the, the basic concepts that we're hearing about like, like hand washing and social distancing and just how important that can be I think it's important to emphasize that especially the, the scratch versions of these simulations are really quite simple simplified because that's actually where you can best understand these concepts but that the more accurate versions of these simulations that are being done by the center for disease control and such you know involve uh, scientists that specialize in epidemics and, and doctors that have years and years of training and that's what it really takes to try to be much more accurate and realistic about these. So you you want to take this now and create education material uh, called Go Viral for K-12 students and educators. Why, why is it so important to you that this health liter literacy gets out into the world? Yeah, absolutely. Because I, I find like every day there are, you know, you know, social media sort of rumors that they're spreading virally. <laughs> right. about things that, that are viral often, the other way yeah. <laughs> yeah that are uh spreading in ways that are really scary and not necessarily informed and so i think by doing this we can better understand like the guidance that we're receiving and, and also um relate that to how we, how we can now learn better about realistic problems and so one of the things that i think is so helpful about scratch is it makes it very open-ended and so you can create your own variations and versions of these projects and, and uh, kids love sh like sh uh, showing off what they've done with it. Yeah, we've had a lot of challenges. We, we always do a creative challenge at the end of each broadcast and we've had a lot of them related to Scratch and the projects that get shared are just amazing. So it's often the, the best way to learn these things is by testing out your own ideas in an environment like Scratch. Do you think that your go viral curriculum, like do you think that this entire experience is going to kind of change the way we teach health literacy in schools? Is this going to become something that kids learn about and that changes the way that we learn about washing our hands and how diseases spread? Things like that? Who knows about Go Viral in particular? Mm -hmm. I think that this general concept of modeling and simulation as a way of learning about our world and learning about medical practice, learning about other types of science is definitely the way of the future. Even in medical schools now, there's an awful lot of, say, virtual 
simulators for surgeries before students go in and, and try oh. this on mannequins, which are just a different type of physical model before they try this on, on, on patients. And another example of this type of modeling is when people build planes. Uh, of course, there's you know small physical models and then there are large computer simulations of, of these planes before they go and build real planes. And so general idea of modeling and the inter especially the interactive part of it, I think uh, goes throughout all these disciplines. I think of how many young scientists I know that are passionate about learning and spreading information and mm -hmm. how watching the world go through this and maybe watching their parents. I wonder how that's going to shape the way they grow up and the way they want to help people and the way they want to share information. How many kids are going to remember this experience and it's going to change the path that they're on. It's interesting to think about. Absolutely. And they can like even just through Scratch, there's so many different ways that they could do that, whether it's through making educational animations and cartoons for people. Um, and I've seen some amazing ones about like the, the, the shape of the proteins and the structure uh, of the coronavirus and how the different parts of coronavirus work or oh, just cool. you know, health messages. There's so many different ways to, to share information and make an impact through building and creating. Yeah, that's great. That's really neat. I wanted to share another resource that you created. In case you're not ready to go look at the infectious disease simulator, there is something called programming cells, which kind of takes you through how cells are made and how they get built up. And I love this. There's three projects in it. And I love it because it also models very basic computer science concepts that happen anytime you do programming. So it's got sequences and loops and conditions and all the things. So I actually all your have favorite done it, things. All my favorite things. <laughs> <laughs> um, plus it teaches you about, you know, the cells of your body. So it's like a win-win situation. So I just wanted to give you a little time to talk about that. Sure. So actually, yes, yeah, so we, we uh, started developing this a couple of years ago, and then I kind of released the first version of that last year. It started out just working with my kids and this idea of how a lot of these subjects that you learn in elementary school and, and middle school are taught as very separate topics, mm -hmm. uh, yet often they're most interesting and engaging when, when they come together. And so like at UVA, I was teaching students that were for the first time seeing how computers and biology come together. I find that really exciting because I was personally, as a kid, like fascinated by biology and how amazing life is, but didn't really connect well to the, the, the memorized the, the body parts memorize the, the cell structures type of approach. And so that's why I really got into computers and physics and things like that, because that let, let me build things. And then it wasn't really until college where I saw that I could build things to help understand our bodies or treat disease. But then I later saw that there's no reason why you can't bring that much earlier into education. So we can really see the applications of why computer programming can be used in all sorts of different ways. And also that biology is much more about discovery and learning about the unknown than memorizing things about the past. And this is why I love working with you. I know. I was just going to say, I pro it sounds like you are commercial, but I promise we did not pay him to say these things about how computer science and literacy and learning all intersect. I mean, that is, that is so great. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This is, oh, yeah. I think, not only special for us, but special for our listeners. Yes, thank you so much. I hope we can get lots of people trying this out. 
I have a slightly less professional and science related resource, but it is related to Dogman and Captain Underpants. So that is, you know, important in its own way. <laughs> the author and illustrator of those classic, Dave Pilkey, is now offering something called Dave Pilkey at Home. I found it at the Library of Congress and there's more information on it and through the Scholastic website. So kind of like we've been invited into Mo Willem's space to learn more about his art process and his books, Dave Pilkey is allowing us into his space and his brain to learn about how he creates art. So it's just getting started, but I wanted to give you this resource at the very beginning so that you could catch it from the first step. There's a little video up this week about the inspiration for one of his characters. I won't give it away. Where that comes from, you get to watch him make a little watercolor. And there is a question of the week for this week. The next one will go up on Friday, so you have until Friday to look at it. If Dogman had to do his schoolwork at home, what would his desk look like? So the link is on our resource page, but it says you can draw it, you can construct it, you can be creative. It's got links for things for you to read and draw and create, things for fun. There will be more Friday fun coming up on Friday, but that's going to be our challenge for the day too. If Dogman had to do schoolwork at home, what would his desk look like? One thing to think about. Interesting. Yeah. All right. And let's wrap up with a riddle. I might need your help on this one. Am I supposed to read the last part in the parentheses too? No, that's okay. the answer. All right. Here we go with me hopefully not messing it up. What kind of cup does not hold water? So again, what kind of cup does not hold water? And as I, as I can tell, looking at the doc, I wrote down only two possible answers, but I think there are more than two possible answers. All right. Well, we'll see if some others come up with it. We are so grateful, Dr. Jeff Sosserman, to, for joining us and sharing all these resources. And we hope people try them out and give us yeah, some feedback. Thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for being here. If we get any really cool projects shared, we'll make sure to, to send them your way so you can see them. Great. And also people can add their own projects to our Go Viral Studio. Oh, that's oh, awesome. Great. Thank you. And we'll link everything you need for that on our resource page. And because we still don't have a great sign off. Yeah. Have a great day. Yes. Have a great day. <laughs> we'll see you tomorrow. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.